Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Um, so continuing in our laws of Hilchot Nida, uh, this week we'll be discussing Bihar Chakot, uh, the um, things that one has to distance oneself from one's wife when she is in her Nida uh, time period. And last week we saw that there was a Havamina at least, that one might make a distinction between when she's actually uh, menstruating and when she's counting her Shevanakim. That's what Tanadveh Yahu uh, brought down, that when Eliyahu Navi asked the lady, she made such a distinction with her husband. And Eliyahu Navi said, well, that's why your husband passed away uh, early in his life. Meaning that from that brighter uh, and Tanad uh, it seems that when all of the harachakot, all of the separations that one does with, one wife, with one's wife is until she actually goes to the mikveh. We did see a shit of Rashi. Rashi seemed to make a distinction regarding eating with, uh, with his wife um, between bimei nidutech and mei libunech. But we saw that the majority of Rishonim didn't accept such a chiluk. Uh, okay, let's continue in today's uh, topic, and that is uh, non-intimate but physical contact, an extension of that passing objects. So we begin once again with our Tanit Ve'eliyahu. If we look from that Tanit Ve'eliyahu, just the last paragraph, it says over there, so Eliyahu asked that lady, perhaps you passed him a knife, uh, and he touched your, even your little finger. So she swore by this, right? uh, he, she washed him and, uh, and anointed him with, uh, with oil. And we slept in the same bed. So they slept in the same bed, um, seemingly touching one another, but with clothes on, i.e. there was no uh, intercourse. But that was the problem. Eliyahu Nabi said, well, that's why your husband died. And look at the Shulchan Aruch, how he rules this in Yeradea Kuk that he cannot touch her even a small finger. And that one should distance from touching the clothes of one's wife while they are upon her. Okay, but if it's not, Upon her, then you can touch. Then you can touch her. Now, that seems to be, if we go according to the Tanad Ve'eliyahu, one understanding of the Tanad Ve'eliyahu is what was the problem when she passed him the knife? Is that he touched her baby finger, but the actual passing of the knife was not a problem. So here, Tosfot in Shabbat Yud Gimel says the opinion of Rashi. Rashi was machmir, not to pass a key to her from, from his hand to, to his wife's hand when she was in her uh, nida status. 
And the read says the source of Rashi is from the quotation that we just mentioned from Seder Eliyahu. Now, again, there are a few different girsaot of how to read that Tanad Veliyahu. According to this girsa, it says perhaps you gave him the oil, perhaps you passed him the, uh, the vessel. But according to Tosot, it says, but it says over there, and you tucked his baby finger. So it's not so clear that. Uh, t- that that this is an absolute proof from the Tanit Veliyahu. And this is actually a machloket between Rashi and the Magid Mishnah. The Magid Mishnah says, person cannot give something to his wife in the usual way. Right? But regarding other objects, right? Uh, I not um, not what is usually done, but some passing something that would be okay. And says uh, We have a machloket rishonim. According to Rashi, he learned out from the Tanad Veliyahu that there's actually a prohibition to pass an object to one's wife. The Tosvot uh, have some reservations within Shitat Rashi, and the Magmisha says. That Mutarin brings the Machmir. How do we pass him? Shukhanaruch in Yeradekuf Tadihei Sif Bet says, Lo yoshit miyado liyada shum davar, velo yekablenu miyada shem yigabiv sarah, implying that the Shukhanaruch rules stringently like the opinion of Rashi, that even if there is, it's a perhaps one might come to touch her finger, that is a problem, therefore one cannot pass anything to one's wife. Now, the Shach explains this and clarifies this din, taking it, one could argue, taking it one step further. One could argue that Rashi said specifically a key, because a key is a very small object. And therefore, you know, the possibility of touching her, her hand when passing the key is quite likely. However, you know, passing a long uh, uh, something. Um, a long tray, one could argue, what are the chances? Now, one of the, so that seems to be the accepted halachalamaise, one doesn't pass objects to one's wife when she is in her nidah status. However, a very common question for many newlyweds, um, especially, is they've just had a child, to the other. According to what we've just said, um, especially, let's say a woman's just come out of
unstable for some reason. I mean, the, the Colonel, so I'm using the internet, but uh, okay, you can all, in the meantime, okay, so let's hope that the Tashbit says, we pass it like Rashi. However, a child is different. The Chayinah said that's not. Now, what, what, what is that? From Hilchot Shabbos. Sorry, I've changed uh, my position. Hopefully the internet will be better. So Bezrat Hashem, sorry about that. Uh, okay, let's go back to where we were. So says the Tashvet, because a child can basically walk by itself, therefore you're not really carrying the child. So in terms of Hilchot Shabbos, you're not either because you didn't carry the child. The child carried themselves. That's called chai nose etatzmo. So says the Tashbit, the same thing over here. So since basically <coughs> the father is passing the child to the mother because the child can really walk by itself, therefore this wouldn't be a problem. Now here, obviously the question is, okay, that might be true for a three-year-old, but for a uh, for a five-day-old baby, and it's not very clear that the child can be considered high or set that small. So this is a discussion that the uh, um, so so if you look at the wording of the Tashbet, the Tashbet said the hiena or saklum elahatinok atzmo hu yotze mechekimo uva lechek aviv. Now, the Tashbet seems to be having a middle-of-the-ground position, meaning that as long as the child doesn't necessarily have to walk but can, you know, stretch its arms out, 
to, to go to the, the mother, etc. That might be considered and that might be permitted. How does Rav Ovadia Yosef Paskin? Rav Ovadia Yosef says, because of this principle of um, and then he says, but one wants to be Mahmir can, Ravozna does not accept this leniency, and he states that in such a case, one has to be Mahmir. Rav uh, on the other hand, is Mekel, but he tells us as follows, that a child kind of puts their arms out, etc., to move from, from the mother to the father. That, you know, just a five-year-old five baby does not stretch out their arms. In such a case, that would be a problem. Now, Rav Mordechai Willig, who's one of the Rosh Yeshiva of uh, Yeshiva University, has a very different take on the whole subject. And his definition is as follows. He says, look, a baby is considered a choyle in halacha. And therefore, that already allows us to be makel because you, you know, often if you, if a couple have to not pass a baby and they're going to put them down on a surface, that could endanger the baby. And because that could endanger the baby, and we're talking with a choile, so therefore one can be makel. So based on this, um, Rav Mordechai Willig basically says that a child can be passed from one spouse to another. Um, because he is concerned that uh, it will cause a danger if not. Uh, this is also brought down in Nishmat by Rav Henkin and Rav, um, Rav Barhaftik. Okay, now, um, okay, just in terms of feeding the baby, Rav Bosna is Mekel uh, and Rav Ruben is Mahmir. Um, now, one of the very, very common childhood is what happens if a couple need to move a heavy object together? Do we say that just like I'm not allowed to pass an object to my wife when she's a nidda, and as the shach says, even if it is, uh, even if it is a long object, would we say the same thing if the object is difficult to move it? What the classic example is, a couple need to carry a stroller up three flights of stairs. So what do we pass in such a situation? The Igrot Moshe, Rav Moshe Feinstein, in his Yoredea Chelek Bet, says, Although this is not clear-cut in the Gemara and in the Poskim, he paskins that it is uh, one should be Mahmir. Right? And similarly does Rab Bosna uh, in Shuresha Vitalevi, that in such a case, one needs to be Mahmer. On the other hand, Rabobad brings our case of, you know, uh, taking a stroll up, uh, up the stairs, etc. He says, mm-hmm. On condition that one doesn't touch each other, be uh, careful not to touch each other, one can be made. And this is based again, on the Rishonim that argued with Rashi. Remember, this is not explicit. It's a Chloket Rishonim. Rashi understood that there's an Isur. Toswad had some reservations. The Magid Mishnah said it is Mutar. Although it's Paskin, Halach Lamaisa, and Shulchan Aruch, 
In these cases, says Rabbi Yosef, you can rely on the Rishonim that are made. Um, okay, Rav Shechta is also Mekel when uh, when there is a, a great necessity, such as carrying up a, a, a stroller, etc., then one could be lenient. Another famous Chumrah that we only have between husband and wife is not only passing objects to each other, but also throwing objects to each other. So says the Tashbits, but to throw from one hand to another, so the Tashbits is the Baal HaMekel over here, giving us two separate leniencies. Number one, regarding a child, number two, says the Tashbits, no problem throwing an object to another. I suppose you could Put the two coolers together. There's no problem of throwing a baby from the spouse front to another. I'm joking. Right? That's probably not a, a good idea. But um, uh, based on this, the Rama argues, Rama in says, So the Rama does not accept the leniency of the Tashbet and um, and basically says that this is uh, uh, this is a problem. Although the Pitchei Chuba does bring uh, some achronim that are are mekel, the general fact is one has to be uh, one has to be machmir. However, there is a leniency brought by the Pitchei Chuba. Although, let's say we accept the opinion of the Rama. Noagin says the Pitre Chubene, Shera Noagin Shezorkin Clape Mala, Velona Nochachish Tok mit Kaven Lizropliada. Ay, instead of throwing it towards her, one throws it up in the air and the wife catches it. Behi Poshet is Yadam Kablato, Yeshla Kelbaze. So according to the Pitre Chubene, in that case one can be Makel, and this is also the opinion of Ravovadia Yosef. Um, uh, according to Rabbi Yosef, uh, basically for Sfarim, you can throw it legamre. I.e., the Ramah is the one who brought the Schumra, not the Shulchan Aruch. And therefore, according to Rabbi one can be a maple regarding uh, throwing in general for Sfarim. And he quotes for Ashkenazi in the Pitre Chuba that as long as you're throwing it in the air and not directly to her, that would also be permitted. Okay. Um, so we've dealt with the harchakot of passing objects. We've dealt with the harchakot of throwing objects. One of the famous harchakot are what happens during mealtime. The Mishnah in Shabbat is as follows. Lo yochal hazav im hazava mitnei hergel avera. Now, to give an introduction over here, we have to ask a question. What is the reason behind these harchakot? And we can basically divide them into two separate categories. Category number one is you might actually physically come in contact with, with one's spouse, meaning the reason why I cannot pass an object to one's wife, to my wife, or even throw an object is perhaps this could lead to actually coming to touch her. There is another category altogether, and that is not that I'm concerned, that I'm going to create a certain intimacy 
between the couple and that intimacy will might lead to them forgetting that they that she is in the new status and leading to um, leading to chibuk benishuk and 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 intercourse. So based on the, so so we we have to separate the almost the charachot. One is we worried about physical contact. The other is creating a certain intimate environment that may lead to the couple being intimate. Now, when the Mishnah over here says as follows, A Zav, talking in the times of the Mishnah, right, cannot eat together even with his wife, who's a Zava, because they were both ritually impure, therefore they cannot have relations. We are worried about an intimate situation being created and they might come to they might come to sin. The Rambam defines halacha The the Rambam takes this halacha not only regarding a zab and a zaba, but also regarding a woman who's a zaba who's a nida. That means you cannot eat with her from one bowl. Um, and this, this is a show of intimacy. Not necessarily you might come to touch her, but it definitely is a show of intimacy. I would not share a bowl with a, stra- a stranger. Even a friend, I probably wouldn't share a bowl. But sometimes when I go out for dinner with my wife, we might share a salad, right? And you share it from one bowl, etc. And the Hasagata Raivet, Raivet says, Amar Abraham, Anu noagim, afilu al shulchan echad, b'chein katab rabachat, meaning, that according to the Rambam, the prohibition is sharing the same bowl of food. By sharing the same bowl of food, that is a creating of intimacy. Or perhaps according to the Rambam, the Rambam understood that this is part of the concern you might actually come to touch it. Meaning that if you're both eating from the same bowl, there's a likelihood that you're going to touch each other. The Rambam clearly is not saying that the problem over here is based on a din of a din of you might come to physically touch. Rather, the problem over here is creating some type of scenario of intimacy between the couple. And therefore, says the Ravid, they're not even allowed to eat at the same table. The Rosh um, basically accepts the opinion of the Ravid. However, the Rosh says as follows. Today, we do eat with our wives at the same table. In the times of the Mishnah, they all used to eat, you know, they had like their own private little tables. And if they were be to sit around a small table, that would really be Mishum Chiba. That shows a certain intimacy. However, I'm just saying, but in our times, that there's one large table, and so says the Rosh, that although I accept the opinion of the Raivah, that was at the times of the Gemara, the Mishnah, but in our times, that doesn't apply. But then he adds a lot. The Yeh shall sin heker b'nei 
even though we said that maybe I accepted the opinion of the rabbit, but that then was in the times of the Gemara, but not in our time. Nevertheless, yesh or sin heked, some make a uh, uh, some type of visual marker in, to remind them. And this is not foreign to us. We have learned this in the Gemara in Chulin regarding people that are eating at the same time, table, meat and milk, that there has to be some type of hacker. And this is also brought down in Hogarth Oshri. According to the Hagot Oshri, he says like this. If you usually eat from one bowl, then eating from a separate bowl is good enough. Now, the Shulchan Aruch, when taking these opinions into account, how does he rule? The Shulchan Aruch rules as follows. So the Shulchan Aruch basically adopted the stringency of the right, that it's a problem even to, even to eat at the same table. Unless there's a hekel. And what is the example that the Shulchan Aruch gives? Lechem or kankan. Either a piece of bread, a loaf of bread, or a pitcher. Now, that's quite interesting because the lechem and the kankan, lichora, why is that a visual reminder? We use the, the pitcher to, to pour water from, you know, whatever. And we use the, the loaf of bread to eat from. So we'll have to see how the Achronim understand that line in the Shulchan Aruch. Okay? I'm just pointing it out in the meantime. And the Ramah says, When, so the Ramah adopts the Kula of the Hagatosh. When do we need a separate plate? When She's not a nida, they eat from the same bowl. But if they eat, the truth is that this leniency of the Ramah, I don't know how, uh, how practical it is today, because I think most of us uh, eat in separate plates uh, the entire entire time. I suppose in, 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 in the Middle Ages, when they, you know, not, not many households had many plates. So perhaps sharing a bowl was, was, you know, more commonplace. I don't think that that's common uh, today unless you're going to do, uh, have a bowl of popcorn. And then it is very common. So that is the only time where I know that it's common to have a, a, eat from the common bowl. But in general, this heter of the Ramah is not so relevant. Now, the Shah says, <clears throat> the Shah just points out that, you know, if she lifts the tablecloth, that's also a hacker. One's eating on the table, one's eating on the tablecloth. That would be good enough. Now, the Dark Etara basically uh, just lists all the things that we mentioned. Um, and he stresses, if you look at Sif Aleph, you can place a loaf of bread or a pitcher, etc. And then he adds, Meaning that a loaf of bread is not going to help unless you're not eating from the loaf of bread. 
And a pitcher is not going to help if you keep on pouring uh, water or whatever it is. And there has to be something that you're not using at this moment. So there has to be some type of pet care that is not usually on the table. So that, that's an important distinction that is not clear from the Shulchan Aruch, but that's how the Akronim generally explain this uh, harchaka. Okay. What happens, uh, and this is a very common uh, question, if a couple is not alone, but there are children around at the table, or they have guests, visitors, etc., is there a need for a hacker between them? Says the dark Tara, right? That right? The whole concern over here is a concern of intimacy. And therefore, when you're in a public, uh, it doesn't have to be public. We're not talking about Rashut Arabim. When there are kids around, when it's not a, a romantic dinner for two, we don't have to worry about this. And therefore, as long as there are other people, one doesn't have to worry about having a hacker on the table. Shevet um, Halevi, although he is makel, he says, uh, if possible, one should be one should be uh, one should be machmir. Um, but obviously, even he is makel. If in, in in cases of embarrassment, if person's going out for for lunch, what you're going to put something on the table? So. Clearly, in general, the general psak is if a person, if couples are not by themselves, if uh, couples are not alone, one doesn't have to worry about it. Now, I just want to go back to Achilok. We said in the beginning of these harchakot, we gave two reasons for the harchakot. One was that there could be uh, a problem of physical contact. And the other is a certain creation of an environment of intimacy. The environment of intimacy can be relegated as soon as you're in a more public area, right? However, the question would be, could we say the same thing regarding passing objects? Okay, I can understand passing an object between man and wife in, uh, in their room alone. Maybe one has to be machmed, but if you're out in the street, is there a problem of passing an object from one to the other? Surely, the intimacy is not a problem because you're in a public domain. So the answer is, is that no, regarding the din of intimacy, perhaps if it's in a more public area, we can relegate that concern. But we said that it could be a separate concern is you might come to physically come in contact. And that physical contact makes no difference if it is in a public domain or not. The problem is in and of itself, physical contact. And therefore, we do not generally find that, you know, the poskim are lenient about passing an object as soon as the kids are out or et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So that's just a, a point to be keep in mind. What is the reason behind the harachaka and the possible ramifications based on it? Okay. Another um, show of intimacy is eating the leftover uh, food of one's spouse. Uh, generally, you wouldn't, one wouldn't eat leftovers of uh, a stranger, um, um, but of one's uh, spouse, this is very commonplace. And the dafka shows a certain level of intimacy between the spouse, between, between the couple. So based on this, says the Shulchan Aruch, 
that a man cannot drink from a uh, from the leftover in his wife's cup. Note that it is a one-way direction. The Shulchan Aruch is stating that a husband cannot drink the leftovers of his wife. What about a wife drinking the leftovers of her husband? The Shulchan Aruch doesn't say anything. The Shulchan Aruch, now one could argue and say the Shulchan Aruch was just giving one direction, but obviously it's a it's uh, it goes both ways, and there are poskim like the Aruch Hashulchan who who, who paskin like that. However, the majority of poskim understand that no, this is a one-way street. Meaning that when it comes to Harchakot, there is a greater concern that the husband might come to sin and needs uh, uh, more more uh, um, boundaries. Than the wife, and this uh, we'll see might be very halachah mindset when we get to the next topic uh, in next week's year, and that is regarding ill people. Um, this might be very very lemaiseh. Okay, so just going back to the pshat of the shulchan aruch, the shulchan aruch seems to imply that this is a problem of a husband drinking the leftovers of one's wife's uh, drink, but not vice versa. Also note that the shulchan aruch is talking about a liquid. What about a solid? So let's leave that for the moment. And the Ramah gives us five times where one can be makel. When can one be makel? If someone else drinks in between the couple, there would be no problem. This is often a case uh, for, for Kiddush. Let's say with your, you know, if you're making Kiddush at home, and you, you know, you're not going to pour uh, into different cups. Let's say it's just uh, you and your family. So you're all going to drink from the same cost. So if you give it to a kid in between, right, then it wouldn't be a problem. Now, it could be that there, there's even a greater leniency. Since this is almost like a communal cup, even when, if, it gave one to, if, even if one gave it to one's wife straight away, it might be... Okay, I can't remember who says that uh, shita, um, but the Ramah is not talking about that. The Ramah is talking about this is your wife's cup. You now want to drink it. If you get someone in between to have a sip, you resolve the, the problem. Possibility number two, says the Ramah. If you pour it out from, into another cup, even if you pour it back into the same cup, that would be okay. Leniency number three, right? let's say you walk into the kitchen and you see a half-drunk cup of uh, coffee and you might think it's your wife's or it's yours or it's your, your, your son's. You're not sure it is. Your wife does not have to tell you, oh, don't drink from that cup because that, that was my cup. She doesn't, have to, she doesn't have to let you know. Here again, we see that the problem is more on, this, on the husband and then, than on the wife. Meaning, if the wife will obviously might feel a certain level of intimacy because he's drinking her cup, but as long as the husband doesn't know about it, we are not concerned about it. Leniency number four. The he muteret lishtot shatahu. The Ramah says explicitly, this is a one-way street as opposed to what I said in the name of the Aruch HaShulchan. Um, I'm almost sure the Aruch HaShulchan says it. Uh, I might be wrong, I might be wrong. 
let me let me take that back. I know the Aruch Hashulchan says it regarding uh, pouring uh, wine. Uh, I'm not sure if he says this regarding the shirei uh, food. Let me take that back. Maybe the Aruch Hashulchan didn't say. Apologies. And leniency number five. Uh, if the woman has already left the room. And some say that in that case, one can drink it because how do you create a certain intimacy if she's not there? So based on all of these, these are leniencies that Rama brings uh, uh, down. And let's just... Um, um, regarding the issue of eating leftovers. So up until now, we've been talking about liquids. What about food? Says the Ramah, I eat that the problem is not just liquids, it's also solids. Now, this is not mentioned by the Shulchan Aruch, meaning that according to the Pshat of the Shulchan Aruch, the problem is only liquids. I suppose there's more, uh, it's more intimate liquids, I suppose, um, germs, etc. It seems to be more in, uh, intimate drinking from the cup of, uh, of, of someone else. However, just eating leftover food is less intimate and therefore according to the Shulchan Aruch, this is not a problem. The Ramah holds that even in such a case, it would be a problem. How do Svaradim, Paskin, Halach, So this is a machloka between Rav Mordechai Eliyahu and Rav Ovad Yosef. Rav Mordechai Eliyahu accepts the opinion of the Ramah, even for Svaradim, that basically that a, a, a wife should not, that a husband should not eat the leftovers of one's wife. Rabbi Vadia says no. Pshat Shulchan Aruch is that this is a is not a chumrah uh, regarding food, and we don't accept the opinion of the Ramah. Okay. Um, now, what happens if a, a woman, a, a wife, were to take some jam from uh, from a spread, okay. etc.? So based on that. The Gemara says, based on that, the Gemara says, uh, sorry, the, the Shevet HaLevi says, that is not considered that she tasted the food, meaning that's not considered leftovers. If she just took some uh, cheese from the, uh, from the dish, from the cottage cheese dish, etc. And even if she tasted uh, uh, something, it's not considered that she actually ate from the food. Okay. Our final topic for today is Harchakot based on Kalut Rosh. Well, we'll see. If we have time, we're also going to discuss um, uh, perhaps Koli Shah and things like that. So let's see how far we get. Now, in Masechat Tanot, we go back to uh, the, sorry, the the, 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 the Gemara says as follows. What is an example where the Torah made a boundary for itself? The Torah says that a woman in a state of impurity, one should not come close to her. What does that mean? One might think that one can hug and kiss one's wife and speak idle words with her. Talmud Lomar Loti Krab. From here, the Torah says Loti Krab. There is a Rav Atyundo um, writer, Rav um, 
Vi, uh, vi, vi wrote the uh, Rav Yosef Engel has a um, Rav Yosef Engel. I'm sitting next to a big Talmud yes, so you just helped me out reminding me who the author of the Atvandorite is. Rav Yosef Engel. Um, he writes a very famous uh, truva. Are there cases where the Torah itself makes a uh, makes like uh, we know that the the Chachami make a mishmeret for din doraita? Basum mishmeret lemishmarti. The Chachami made some type of certain rabbinic decrees so that one doesn't come to transgress a, a Torah violation. The question is whether the Torah itself makes certain decrees, not because that prohibition is a problem, but lest one gets to a, a, a more serious problem that the Torah is really worried about. So that's a very interesting discussion. And, and this is one of the sources that could be a proof for such a theory that the Torah actually didn't have a problem necessarily with this actual event, but it's almost like a fence, lest it causes something else. So that's Rabbi Yosef Engel brings many, perhaps the topic of Yichud. Um, he brings down what is the nature of Yichud? Is it a problem in and of itself? Or is the Torah uh, prohibits it because it might lead to something, for example. So over here, that's all as an aside. But here we see that what does that mean? that it seems that it's a problem. And therefore the Torah says, also the Mishnah in Avot, Rabbi Akiva Omer's Chok Bekalut Margilin Le'erba. Jest and frivolity uh, lead a person to acts of uh, licentiousness and, and sin. And this is ruled by the Shulchan Aruch in Yeradek of Tzadihei. Lo Yitzchak v'lo Yekel Roshima. That basically one should not act in jest and frivolity with one's wife. Says Even with words, even a very frivolous conversation might be problematic. Um, now, the question of what are the limitations of these frivolous actions and speech? So here we have different opinions. If you look at, uh, on the one hand, uh, the Shevet Halevi says regarding sending flowers, Lichbod Shabbos, says the Imutar Bimei Nidata, Lefida Aitiyaniya, Ein Bazeshum Khashash. So says the Shevet Halevi, look, there's a difference between frivolity and showing a certain level of care and love, showing a certain, let's call it, act of affection is completely okay. The truth is that one could send a bunch of flowers to one's neighbor, if one uh, arguably, uh, if they did a toiva, meaning it's not necessarily an act of intimacy, it's an act of affection. An act of affection is not a problem while she is a nida. Uh, okay. Uh, similarly, mutarli tein matana, one can give a present, One's wife's birthday happens to be when she is a nida. One can definitely give her a present, etc. And, uh, and so these are uh, accepted. Now, Rav Neuberger, one of the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva University, was asked, what about saying, I love you? Now, one wouldn't say that to one's neighbor. Um, so our chiluk between affectionate and intimate, 
um, doesn't really help us over here because this seems to be an, an act of intimacy. And if it's an act of intimacy, would that be a problem? So Rab Neuberger basically says that, look, the, it depends on the time and culture. Uh, in many cultures, this is almost a standard, um, hello, goodbye, I love you. Uh, you know, every, every conversation begins and ends with, a, with, a, with a I love you, to one's children, to one's family. And therefore, says Rav Neuberger, this is not considered intimate. And that's Hagi Paskins that basically he thinks that it's not a problem for a husband to tell his wife that uh, he loves her. And this is the, the accepted sack that I know from Mara Bonim, that there's no problem uh, regarding this. Um, what about uh, a topic of Koli Shah when she's a nidam? Now, seemingly, um, the question shouldn't really begin. Lichora, the Gemara in Masechet Brachot Chavdalet says, I'm a Shmuel Koli Shah Erva, that the voice of a woman is considered an Erva. Your voice is sweet and your appearance is lovely. That's the pasuk seems to compare the way a woman looks and her voice, meaning that the voice is an extension of her appearance. And therefore, basically, just like a person is not allowed to look at, uh, um, at an erva, one is not allowed to listen to an erva. So based on that, why would it be permitted to listen to one's wife when she is singing, when she is a nida? But it's not, uh, now, now just, to, just to clarify, hold on a second, that's an erva. We're now talking about a woman who's a nida. So surely there is a distinction between the two. But the Gemara in Shabbat Yud Gimel says as follows, Again, our question, can a husband sleep in the same bed with his wife with clothes on during uh, the day when she's a nida? That the Gemara over there says, um, quote, He did not literally impurify his friend's wife, i.e. And, and a woman who is in a state of uh, nida, right? he didn't come yet to her during her impurity. What do we see from this Pasuk? The Pasuk juxtaposed Eishetish, a proper erva, and a nida. Says the Gemara, Makish isha nida The Torah connects a woman who's a one's wife who's a nida to Eishetreyu. My Eishetreyu hu bevigdo vehi bevigda asur af Eishet nida hu bevigdo vehi bevigda asur. So according to this Gemara, since, at least on a simple level, it seems that a woman who's a one, one's wife who's a nida is considered an erva. If it's considered an erva, we have to apply all the dinim of erva. Means kol isha erva. Uh, uh, the voice of a woman who is prohibited to me, who is an erva, is itself considered an erva. So to over here, regarding one's wife. However, it's not so clear. Because, um, let me just skip to to the top
Haim says, I think it's what does the Ramas say regarding Sitoinira? Is it complete?
Up until now, what we've actually seen is that there are more harachot with a, uh, a man and wife than with a, another woman. We've never seen that there's a problem passing an object to a woman. We don't see that there's a problem um, eating uh, at the same table as uh, another woman. We do find all these problems with one's wife. And the basic reason is because there's a certain familiarity, there's a certain, certain intimacy, and therefore one, uh, one has to take greater precautions. However, there's one particular halacha where we are very makele, even though we are machmir regarding uh, other women. And that is the sugya of Yichud. Look at the Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin Lamed Zayin. The quotes the Pasuk, Sugaba Shoshanim, literally like a, uh, um, set about with, with, uh, with flowers, a fence made up of flowers. A fence made up of flowers is not very difficult to cross over. Says the Gemara, The greatness of the Jewish people is that even though the fence is only made out of flowers, we do not, uh, we do not uh, uh, transgress. There's a certain heretic said to Rav Kana, you permit a man to be with his wife when she is in Nida. Can you put basically uh, uh, fire trips um, next to, set fire to fire trips and not expect there to be a fire? And Amar Le'ai, the Torah was made. And Am Yisrael, or like lilies, a fence of lilies, meaning and the reason given there by the Gemara is pat basalo. We basically say lichora. It doesn't make sense if we're taking all of these restrictions. So why we make all regarding yichud? Why can a husband and wife still sleep in the same bedroom, etc.? Because of this principle of pat basalo. That basically, since a husband knows that. In two weeks' time, he'll be able to be with his wife. Then he will—he'll um, be able to control himself. The question is why we don't apply that principle to all the other harchakot. That is a very good trailer. Um, but nevertheless, we do see that that svara. One of the challenges of that svara is that that assumes, according to most uh, rishonim, that the that the wedding has already been consummated. Now, there could be shilas, and there's an essay in the uh, further essay between Yichud regarding a chatan kala where it was a chupat nida. So that I'll leave you uh, for further eon. It's worthwhile reading it and, and, and seeing the issues involved over there. Okay, have a great week. Uh, I don't know what to say. Lagba Omer Sameach to come, and Bezrat Hashem will pick up next week. Kultum.